Hey everybody, it is the mixtape for 1983. If you don't know what this show is, 83, I meant oh, 84. 84. Holy crap, sorry guys. Um, take two, no, I'm just kidding. Um, there's an, this is raw, we don't do second takes, we screw up and we just keep going. Uh, 1984, the mixtape is where we, John and I basically pick five albums each from uh, that year and uh, that we, we really want to talk about. Um some of them are well known, but most of them are kind of like under the radar or barely skirt on that radar. Uh, kind of like the gems. Like you don't really need to know that Thriller, you know, is oh one of the great albums. It's it's an obvious. Um, but what's interesting though is on your list, one of your selections is a very well selling album, and at the time was mega. But you were right when you said, yeah, this is kind of forgotten though or misunderstood, and you're not kidding. Do you want to start with that one? Yeah, uh, uh, I was looking at because I've not really been a huge fan of this uh, artist until I really started looking into his stuff. I guess I guess I would have to say since I moved out here to Missouri, uh, now I'm in the heartland. Now I should start listening to uh, the boss, even though he's from Jersey. <laughs> but even so, uh, I look Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA." is you know it's like i'd heard this song before and you know you, you hear the, the title track and you hear at the time and you just go like oh yeah it's a yay america song you know especially when you couple it with the album cover it's like of course this is patriotic and then you know time passes and you learn oh no it's not it's basically this uh song about how we screw our vets over and uh Basically, it's not a very, very pro-U.S. song. No, it was ironic because Ronald Reagan played this at his '84, um, uh, the Republican National Convention, and Bruce Springsteen is like, "A, you don't get the song at all. You're not going to get the rights, and B, you also don't get the song, what it's meaning." <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the thing is like, I've you know I've heard. Everyone's heard Springsteen tracks. Uh, you can't escape him. He's somehow he has touched your life in some way or another. And I've you know it's like okay, I've uh, started listening to his stuff, and this is the first time I really deep dove on his on a full album. Uh -huh. It's like yeah, I'll, and my God, is this album amazing? Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> one of the first albums. Okay, so when I I always say that the first album I bought. Uh, with my own money was in excess kick, which is true. But I did have albums before that where my parents would join Columbia Records and they would say, you can have one or two. And it was usually something like Weird Al or a movie soundtrack or something like that. But I do remember getting Born in the USA and the Power Station uh, from them. So uh, technically I would say Born in the USA is probably my first real like grown-up album. Yeah, and that's the thing is this is very... It it's very heartland, you know, uh, very uh, blue collar America rock, and like I genuinely have a hard time. Like I think working on the highway is probably the only song that I, you know, didn't it didn't really connect with me as much. But my God, I mean, there's like you have. Uh, I mean, Dancing in the Dark is one of the big one of the bigger. Uh, well-known songs on here. You got "Cover Me," which was actually written for Donna Summer. Really? Which kind of makes <laughs> yeah, which makes sense. You hear that song, and after hearing that, it's like, 
Aha, uh-huh, yes, that because that is kind of disco-y a little more so. Like, this song should have been covered by some synth band that I listened to, and I'm kind of surprised at that. Yeah, mine is uh, Glory Days, but you don't get Glory Days until you hit this age. Well, that's not true. There's a There was a dude in uh, my college years that I would revisit like every summer. I used to hang out with him a bunch in high school, and we'd always go to Taco Bell for some reason. He'd always talk about Rush. <laughs> and uh, and and old stuff that we did in high school, and I'm always like, "What about now? What's going on in your world now? Let's talk about now." And he's like, "You remember that time when we were in the lab?" I was like, "God damn it!" Every conversation would be like that, and I couldn't hang out with him anymore because after like three or four years of that, it, it, he was only living in the past, and those were his glory days. And I was just like, "I didn't." The song just pins down small town America, where you were like the hero in baseball whatever you know in your high school years and nothing's happened since you now like sell used cars and you have a marriage that barely holds together you know it's it's i'm from a small town so springsteen and uh, like john mellencamp and stuff brian adams they were all heartland america kind of singers and they were huge you couldn't get away from them yeah and let's just like i mean we have i'm on fire which is one of the most got some of those fucked up lyrics yeah 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 <laughs> it's like it's a it's like it's a love song but it's like a serial killer manifesto at the same time it almost feels like well it's here's like, the thing about springsteen Lord. is he only had what a couple small hits before this born to run well i guess yeah. it wasn't that small but you know not not top five they were charting songs and he had a reputation for giving a hell of a road show and very thoughtful lyrics so he had a cult following and this is where he blew up but people don't remember that he was the biggest artist in 1984. By 1994, he's back to being that cult uh, status again where he has really great lyrics, critics love him, and he might have a small single off that that connects with people. But he's never going to be this big again. Yeah, this, and it kind of shows that it's this and it was, I think, Nebraska, which hit right before it, which also was apparently, like, half the songs from this album were from those sessions. And... It's just, yeah, this, yeah, you can totally see why this be, this hit hard because again, there's very, like I said, one song on here that didn't uh, didn't do it for me, but that, you know, that's just me. Do you think? Well, <laughs> eighty four, eighty four, we were so USA crazy. I remember this because the Olympics were going to be in Los Angeles. And it was a height of, like, the Ronald Reagan. We're doing those movies where everybody was like, rah, rah, let's fight the commies and let's get our people back from Vietnam. And it was like we were drunk on it. And getting the yeah. lyrics, the whole point of Born in the USA wrong is not surprising during drunk Reagan era. Oh, wait, well, it's blind nationalism just really removes your ability to comprehend the world around you, doesn't yeah. it? Well, sounds familiar, huh? Weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's also the thing is thinking about it, kind of what brought this up as well was the fact that we are in the era that we're in at this moment. And, you know, again, people still kind of keep bringing up this song. And then it's just kind of like, you know, I have to visit this album. I really have to listen to this. Damn, did I sleep on this. I, I'm an idiot. <laughs> it happens. No, there's great albums you always miss. That's the point of the show, though, is that we're going to go back and reflect. I'm sure we missed some albums uh what was i listening to one the other day oh, okay so um this didn't make the list we got so close midnight oil how did nobody tell me that they're more than a one-hit wonder they are 
fucking amazing. Their political songs are jaw-dropping catchy, but also so heartfelt, and they almost make this list. They were, I was really tortured on this one. I'll have to take a listen, because, yeah, I, I have a very big blank spot for Midnight Oil. Yeah. It's a... Uh, I, I mean, seriously, this is the hardest year for me, because I'm going to tell you now, and don't get mad at me, but your, your choices were a little harder to get through than normal. <laughs> um... And I didn't have a whole lot of albums that really stuck out like a sore thumb. Like, I gotta choose that. I had to listen to like 50 different albums that were on my radar, but never locked down. The only album I knew, like the back of my hand, I forced myself not to put on here. And that was Devo Shout. (laughs) I just, I even said it first. And I said, no, 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 no. I gotta choose something different because I know well enough this is not top tier Devo. This is the end of the Warner Brothers era, and there's a lot of repetition in the album. There's a couple good singles, but I had to ditch it. So, let's officially go with my very first selection, and it's Madness. Keep moving. Probably their last big, like, big label release. And it's so damn catchy, so fun. And I love the blue-collar British vibe danciness to it all. It's... It's ska, but it's almost one step beyond. Ha ha ha! You fell into that one. No, it's like it's it's a it's a little more. Um, God, I want to say uh, modern rock, almost. Oh man, you! I'm gonna have to say this. I'm gonna have to pull pull a you, and I did not hook this one. Did not really get me yeah. at all. I can see that. And so it's like I really don't have anything to say about this. Like I know of Madness because of Our House. And I like that song, but it's like I've never I never listened to anything beyond that. And I, I was for a second I was going, oh wait, I've recognized this band. They, you know, and I'm going, and I, I was thinking like they don't sound like like this. What I'm thinking they are. And I'm going, oh no, I'm thinking of Mad Season. <laughs> so, Is Mad Season that one band, uh, one album band with like Lane Staley and the guys from? Uh... STP? Yeah. Okay, wow, that's, yeah. that's a 10-year difference. <laughs> um, yeah, for some reason, we're going, like, did they do another album before that? Yeah. And we're going, okay, yeah, but like, like I said, I was totally mistaken. I'm like, right. oh. Now, let me ask you this. Are you a ska fan at all, or do you hear horns and get excited? Some people don't. Uh, not. I'm not a particularly big into ska. There's some, you know, there's some stuff I like, but I guess... Where I get relegated to enjoyment of ska is a little bit more in the 90s, although I like kind of the ska-y stuff that uh, Oingo Boingo does. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is one. I mean, like I said, there's no, like, solid, I gotta choose this. I also forced myself not to choose Metallica, Ride the Lightning. Everybody knows that's a fucking classic. I don't need to tell you. So, yeah, this is going to be a weird list. So, uh, what's your next choice? <laughs> okay. My next choice is... Oh, whoop, almost went to the wrong wrong list. It is My War by Black Flag. I I had the hardest time with this one. I know the point, I get it, and I just couldn't get into because it's more it, to me it felt like it wasn't actually like songs, it was beat poetry, very angry beat poetry to hard rocking. Um it's fine, I just well, I couldn't I, I'll probably never listen to it again. There's, it's technically, it's actually the second, I'm sorry, it's their second album, but it's also the first of four albums that they released that year. Wow. You don't have to say. They, well, there's there's a good reason for it, but you had, uh, there's actually a spoken word album called Family Man. Uh, 
another album called Slip It In, and then a live album. Now, it's like there was this three-year delay between the release of these two records because of this legal dispute uh, surrounding the release of their first album in 81. Basically, it was supposed to be released through MCA, uh, an MCA subsidiary called Unicorn, and but then it was going to be shelved under the claim that it was quote-unquote anti-parent because <laughs> but but apparently if this was because unicorn was so poorly managed mca was going to lose a ton of money on it regardless of if they put it out or not so they just came up with this bullshit reason yeah i've never heard of that and label so, did they last very long oh no 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 uh basically uh great uh great gin ultimately released it on his own label sst with a copy of the anti-parent statement on it wow uh, which resulted it resulted in a legal issue that led to a court injunction disallowing Black Flag from using their own name. <laughs> and when uh, Unicorn declared bankruptcy, the order was finally lifted. So, like, this was stuff that was written, like, 82. Wow. And, I just say anti-parents. Well, you know, we don't have much of a future without parents because that means there's no more kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, there's there's actually an episode of uh, Henry Rollins' podcast, Henry and Heidi, dedicated to the recording of this album. It is, if you like this, it's worth the listen. If you don't like it, it's still worth a listen because he's a very good, well, you know, he's a very good speaker. Yeah. But, but this is very metal compared to kind of like all the other punk stuff. Like, I mean, especially uh, what is it? Uh, I love you. Yeah, one of the track on here basically is like a Sabbath song almost. It's the thing is though, you get to that side B, those last three tracks, that those are totally different songs than the first and all the previous songs, aren't they? Cause all of a sudden it becomes this weird sludge metal, yeah. like slow, heavy stuff. And, you know, uh, apparently, and this is one I remember from the podcast, there's some, they actually had a couple of shirts made where it just, I, I think it's like it's front side is the album art back sides is side two. Cause everyone just kind of acknowledges that, Site two is not for everybody. Yeah, it but, was. Uh, it was and, I, I think I fell asleep actually towards the end, so which is weird. Yeah, but yeah, it's a the side a side you know side one is is a hell of a side I think. But what you got? Okay. Um, sorry, you're you're uh, when you get older, you start fe- feeling like weird hairs coming out of your ear, and then I got distracted by that. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm getting old. I was like, "What the fuck? Am I turning into a Wookie?" <laughs> Ugh. Um, all right, so my second album choice is the Bangles all over the place. Before they broke out, this was uh, you know their debut, no hits. It did terrible on the charts, and I think it's my favorite of their uh, their albums because. It has, the whole time listening to this, I'm thinking, oh, the monkeys. This has that monkeys vibe where it's, I feel like Peterson is uh, Michael Nesmith and uh, Susanna Hoffs is uh, Mickey Dolenz. They got the hard rockers. You, they're all very pop friendly. They're very catchy. And uh, Peterson tended to, well, the sister's Peterson, but I meant like Diane Peterson. But um, where they're a little more layered, I think. A little more uh, soulful than the pop-friendly songs that Susanna Hoffs was in charge of. Uh, but Hero Takes a Fall is one of the greatest like startup songs, I think, uh, of their career. Agreed, 100%. This I loved this album. Oh, like, I, I, I honestly didn't think... I thought about this, I didn't think you were going to like it. I genuinely am surprised that there, that Hero Takes a Fall was not a hit. Yeah, like, well, it, was, it, was, that, it did okay what, in the UK, but not here. 
Yeah, which is uh, like I found a little bit of trivia I thought was interesting because you had Prince heard Prince heard that song, liked it a lot, traveled to L.A. specifically to play the song live on stage with them. Wow. And then that, that's one of the reasons why uh, he also wrote Manic Monday for him. I didn't know he wrote that. I am, oh wow. Yeah, it, I don't. I seriously, Here Takes Us Fall is so friggin' good, and it's also another one of these timely songs about uh, the egotism of uh, people. Yeah, oh, the, the man who thinks he's the best, and then watch him just uh, not not hit those goals that he had in his head. The reality smacks him in the face. Yeah, it, like. You know, it's like going down to Liverpool, I guess, was the other single off the album. And that's it. Being that it's a cover, you know, it already had because it's a Katrina and the Waves. Cover. Yeah, I didn't even I it's, literally didn't know that until just now when I was looking it up on Wikipedia. It's like that one. Also, so is Live. Live is also a cover. And uh, they're both those are really good, catchy songs. Dover Beach is this really kick ass alternative track like it's a varied album because there's country-ish songs, there's rock songs, you know, these slow things. That's it's... why I kept thinking of the Monkees. If you go back and listen to their albums, especially after they were uh, after they took control of their band, so like the first two albums are almost exclusively songs written by other people. There's like a handful written by the actual band, but once you get to album three and the show is about to end, that's when you it gets so eclectic and so much deeper than uh, the fucking Neil Diamond hits. Yeah, and that's the thing. So, well, just to go on, give the monkeys some praise, they were also fairly, uh, you know, like Last Train to Clarksville and stuff like that are like extremely like dark songs, and you know, especially with the area that they're in, you kind of go, you know, I'm a little surprised that this is a band from a created for a TV show. Yeah, they still managed to. They play that song. Managed to do some. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I'm just impulsive. Go ahead. I'm, I have my apologies. Yeah. Oh, just, it's, these things where I'm going like, you know, I'm surprised that this was from a TV show, you know, manufactured stuff. This is actually fairly deep shit. The, uh, I always joke because this song plays at work all the time, <laughs> that uh, the last train to Clarksville is based on a conversation that they have later where, um, oh, shit, I thought you meant the first train to Clarksville. God damn it, I waited forever. And I just got sick of it, so I left. And the whole relationship is ruined because of a misunderstanding. <laughs> oh, man. But no, that's the entire thing is like, it's the last train uh, to this to a military base because the guy's going off to war. He's going to basically potentially die in Vietnam. Yeah. And so it's the, it's just like, meet me at the station. It's going to be the last time I'm going to see you. <laughs> You're like, but it's so happy. Yeah. It's, uh, well, not my stepping stones are really good. Oh, let's, let's get back to the Bengals, though. Um. But what's, yeah. what's amazing about this band is that they hit so hard in two years. They're going to be massive. They won't go away. And by 88, the band is starting to crumble because Susanna Hoff's mom is trying to make her a movie star. And they make that shitty movie, The All-Nighter. And they're trying to force her as the lead. And so, you know, the Peterson sisters uh, had a rift with her. And it just they fell apart after three albums. And uh, uh, it's just it sucks when, when you see that kind of stuff happen. Like the Go-Go's. I don't. What I don't understand yeah. is why well, the ego has to be getting in the way, or the agents are getting in the way. You think about the Go Go's, and they almost made this list too. Um, is if someone hadn't convinced uh, Belinda Carlisle that she should have gone on her own, 
those songs would have easily been absorbed into the Go-Go's. They could have kept going for a very long time, but no, then you go like 15 years where they're broken up and then finally get back together. Same thing with the Bangles. Yeah, and listen, it's, especially for a debut album, that's, I really think that all, for me, the best mark of a debut album is, well, I, besides uh, musical co- uh, coherency, uh, I, you want to make sure that it's kind of like this is what we do. You know, you, you're making a statement, and they're kind of making, we are a, a varied pop rock band. We, yeah. can, we can do all of these sorts of things, so you're not, you know, you may not necessarily be surprised when you get to the second album, and it might focus a little bit more on one style or another. Yeah. But... What I what is interesting yes. about the band is this is right after the Garage Rock Revival, or, or Roots Rock Revival, and they're going beyond the 50s. They're going, like you said, you know, the 60s pop-oriented rock, which wouldn't hit big until a decade later. Now, if this album had come out like the same time as when the Fountains of Wayne and Matthew Sweet were all hitting big with 60s influence, uh, like surf rock and stuff like that, um, I think the band would have taken a different turn. But because this album didn't sell, they went in a different direction on their second album, and I just I feel like it's too uh, 86. Whereas this album is um, timeless to me. Yeah, it this definitely feels a lot. There, there's definitely yeah, as you said, timeless. I 100% agree. There's, as I said, I as I'm listening to this because it's one of things where I'm going. I, I look at the album going. I don't think I know anything from this one. Yeah, it's uh, and it of has... course once once well, once Hero takes the fall and starts going. I'm like, oh shit, I know this one, and then I wasn't let down at any point as the thing went on. I'm just going. I recognize one track from this, which is a shame. Yeah, which is weird. Damn, the rest of this is good. I feel like we heard that in a movie. Like, I think it was a surfing movie, and they played this while the guy is trying to get his goal or whatever. Or maybe it was in Blue Crush, where she's surfing or whatever, and she can't accomplish her goal, so she keeps falling off the board or whatever. And that's when they're playing this song. I know this from a movie. Yeah, it most like, I I don't know where I know it from. It may have been the radio for all I know, but uh, it most likely had to have been in film. Yeah. All right, what is your next album? My next one is Some Great Reward from Depeche Mode. I I really dug this album, and they sound different. They haven't hit... Uh, it's kind of like what you did with Ministry the previous year. They're, they haven't locked down their sound yet, which usually is more interesting to me, like the way the Bengals were. Um, Depeche Mode is almost there, but I, I had a lot of fun listening to it. It was very dancey, but it was also very pensive. Um, I oh, really, yeah. I really, yeah. I'm a huge fan of modern rock. The new wave is great, but modern rock has so much, much deeper uh, point to it. Yeah, and see, like this, this is basically an old, another one of these old school industrial albums. They're still, you know, banging. You're still sampling uh, pots and drums. You're, you know, like uh, oil cans and stuff that you're banging on to get get your sounds out of, and. Basically, at this point, Depeche Mode was finding, like, moderate success in Europe. But once they got People Are People released, all of a sudden, you know, it blew them up. You know, people are just going, who the hell are these guys? You know, they're getting all of these successful tours and, you know, but the album sales didn't necessarily increase. But once this, specifically this album, then hit, then it started to pick up. But it's like, uh, what, they were, uh, I think, like, People Are People got picked up by the LGBT 
LGBTQ community. It was also a part of the West German TV's coverage of the 84 Olympic Games. It was their theme song. Wow. It's like, this is, you know, like one of their biggest hits. And considering that, that they do kind of, they like metaphor. They're not tool in being completely obtuse about meaning. But, you know, they're not directly in your face. People are people. It's kind of a punch to the face about what they're talking about. And, of course, you know, you got Master and Servant on here, which is about uh, BDSM relationships, <laughs> which uh, it, got, it got banned from U.S. airplay. It almost, <laughs> did by the, it almost did by the BBC, but the person who would have banned it was actually out on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Loophole. All right, my turn. Uh, Blasphemous Rumors. Yeah, go for it. I oh. love, love the last track there. Blasphemous Rumors is great. Um, Scandal by, uh, sorry, Warrior by Scandal uh, is a very interesting album because they uh, they tribute the songs with Patti Smythe. Even though Patti Smythe is the lead singer, I don't get that. It, isn't she Scandal? <laughs> Why are you separating? It's not like David Lee Roth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... Van Halen featuring David Lee Roth. You don't do that. Now, this is another album... I did not particularly dig, but I but let me back up before <laughs> anything. This seems like it's a very good sophomore album. Like you've now gotten your fan base, and now you've got now you can play this. You know, like what the the thing because everything is fine. Like hell, the warrior is the best Pat Benatar song she never wrote. <laughs> yeah, never it's such a it's such a rousing. I feel like this should have played in Legend of Billie Jean. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like the songs are okay, and it's like the thing where it's like, oh, I, you know, you listen to the like the Bangles, and then the Bangles put out this album. It's like it would make sense, sort of thing. It's like, okay, this is a logical progression of your sound. You know, it's like, or you know, I should say maybe fix the metaphor a little bit. They, an album that sounds a lot like Hero Takes the Fall yeah. becomes their next album. It's uh, like, okay, this is a logical progression. This feels like. And I know they had like an EP or something prior to this, but it's like it feels like they they didn't you know it's like as in as a debut I don't think it works if they had already had something that's oh yeah okay I get it they're doing more of this then to be like okay cool I like this a little bit more yeah well eighty four it was such a hard year for me this I didn't look it got terrible reviews <laughs> I just thought it was one of those casual like this is a fun. Interesting album, but the Warrior, of course, is the shining moment. It's such a unbelievably positive, powerful song that it kind of lets you ride through the rest. But I didn't realize that only the young. I knew that song from somebody else. I didn't realize that Journey sold it to them, but then later reclaimed it and sang it again. Oh, okay. And of course, Goodbye to You yeah, was like, on their EP, and then it was added to this album. That was their first big hit. Yeah, it's like I like all I want. I think is 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 a is a strong track. Uh, yeah, it, it just kind of turns into just it, it flows. It's fine. Like I said, it it's not it's not my feeling about madness necessarily, but you know, it's just I kind of like ah, oh, yeah. I yeah. I went into this one actually expecting more because I know the warrior and I like that song, and maybe it's just me and my expectations were a bit too high. Yeah, it was a, a toying cost, literally a toying cost between this and Berlin. Love Life, because I really like that oh, album too, and I was like, "Well, I, like a, you would have preferred that, wouldn't you?" 
Perhaps. I haven't heard that one, but I, I definitely think I would have uh, I would have uh, possibly enjoyed it more. I okay, all right, all right. I made a bad choice. All I right, your know. turn. I know. <laughs> Let's see. For my next song, we are looking at, well, shit. A band has made a second appearance on all my lists because it's Echo and the Bunnymen, Ocean Rain. Hey, it happens. I did that. <laughs> uh, how many times? No, I, I'm one, telling you right now, Oingo Boingo is going to make the list again. Well, this is one of the things where I specifically knew I was, I was going to talk about this album because this I love, especially more than anything else. Killing Moon is absolutely my favorite song that they have ever put out. Yes, like this is my favorite is, album is, of all the ones you chose. And I say it's like this was a turning point in their careers because. Like I mentioned, you know, we I spoke about their second album uh, back in like what eighty one, I think it was, and they're, it's like they've always been a consistent band, and they're basically well regarded, even though like the previous album to this one was kind of uh, not loved by critics, but it was still at this point still well regarded, but this because of the the impact that that album had they decided to change things up and experiment with more instruments like there's a non-album thing called never stop uh that basically uh end up being successful using like all kinds of weird instrumentation in the case of this they took a 35 feet orchestra and you know they got like glockenspiels and they played like an acoustic <laughs> guitar and distorted it through a valve radio like they went and screwed around with as much stuff to make the most interesting layered texture songs. And, like, it's also... It's not as weirdly Doors-like gothy. It's a little bit more... Kind of more modern-y gothy at this point, because you got, like, Nocturnal Me, Killing Moon, of course. Like, hell, My Kingdom is an epic of a song, it feels like. Yeah, you're feeling. I feel like these guys are going to become like the trendsetters. What's coming next for the next six years of modern rock? You know, all the movies we saw about teenagers that were moody, they're going to lay that groundwork. All those soundtracks. I feel like um, The Chocolate War, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but the entire soundtrack is devoted to this movement. That's the thing. This is a. uh, Who the hell knows who Echo and the Bunnymen are? That's the problem. (laughs) They're like. Such a such a wonderful band, yet you know they just extremely obscure, and it's a shame. Yeah, if you Especially were to tell someone, album. you know, like, oh, that's one of my favorite bands, like, who's that? And you say the Killing Moon, they're like, oh yeah, I know that song, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh man, you know, like, even uh, Silver, the opening track, is a super alternative thing. It's especially in comparison to a lot of the previous stuff that we've heard, even the previous the following stuff on the album. Oh, I love this album so much. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, my next choice is going to be The Fix, Phantoms, which uh, quickly becoming one of my favorite bands of the 80s. And this album is right before they break big uh, with one thing after, or one thing, one thing leads to another. I think this no, one is... No, that's... Is it before this? That, that was those Reach the Beach. That was previous oh, to this. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I have this backwards. Okay, um, but I feel like this one, they're really experimenting with uh, not so much their sound, but the lyrics. 
I think are getting more complicated. They're denser. They're telling stories of, you know, just uh, who are we as people? What is this life meant for? You know, the authoritarian, I can't talk, authoritarian uh, ways that we're headed towards. You know, 1984 to them was going to happen. You know, a lot of reflection on Reaganomics, even though they're, what, a British band? Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they were so big. America was so full of themselves in the '80s. It's hard not to notice it worldwide. And I really think the Fix just hit the ground running with this one. And it's not full on rockers. It's uh, except uh, Less Cities, More Moving People. I really think has a good pound to it. But uh, yeah, yeah, this one, uh, Are We Ourselves? Of course, is such an amazing song. Lose face. Uh, I, I just really like this band, and I'm, I feel like I really need to dig into more of what they've done. Oh, I, I love the fix. I, I this album is really good. I, you know, I do think it is a step down from Reach the Beach myself, but that's yeah, Reach the Beach. I think is is a like you're going like top step, and this is maybe like third of the way down of a staircase. It's not that far. It's not like they. Like oh we you know we we screwed up or anything it's just you have a a high super highlight it's hard to match that right hold on so and it was eighty six so, when they had deeper and deeper and red skies when did they do red skies I at night I think so I would have to look that up I can't remember off the top of my head on that one maybe I'm wrong maybe this is their uh, peak and then they fall down after this. I, I can't remember, but I'll look it up later. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, it's definitely this is again, this is a solid album. I like it. It, like I said, you know, like I said, less cities, more moving people. So great. The video. Uh, have you seen the video for it? It's so good. No, I hadn't seen the video on that. I gotta check that out. They, they really uh, like, focus what, on retro futurism, but through like the eyes of Brett. Was it Brett Easton Ellis, the one who did uh, American Psycho and Less Than Zero? That's oh, funny because they did yeah, a song called yeah. Saved by Zero. <laughs> But uh, Woman on a Train, while I do think it takes a little while to get going, is really good. Question has this real, like, really interesting slidey thing going on in it that's just like, just kind of feels a little like you're drunk a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, Are We Ourselves is you know, such a fun track. God, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a good album. Yeah. It's, uh, and like I said, the, the mid-80s for me is going to be hard. Uh, I, the the burst of new wave is, is gone, and so for me, eighty four to probably eighty eight, or uh, kind of a wasteland. I might discover some stuff or remember something that I liked before. But you're gonna have a lot of fun, so I might just give you all top ten. Usually, <laughs> you're gonna be doing two episodes. Here's the thing: is I can't remember what my final album is. You're gonna have to remind me after you get done with your selection. I have a list here, and my I next... forgot to mark it. Oh, I can't believe you did! What the heck? It's a it's a well no, it's a good one too. I, just, my, I, know, I think I, might I, be my favorite. I'm looking at my list. I'm like, fuck, which one is it? <laughs> but for my last one, we're looking at Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. I, I have owned this one on vinyl, and it's a very interesting band because without that single, they would be a completely different band in my opinion. They're more long form uh, emotional rides these songs aren't meant to be played on the radio they're meant to I feel like I should get fucking high and just chill out in my room listening to them 
Uh, Two Tribes is the other single, but that one's much longer. They had to trim it down, right, for the radio? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, uh, shoot, how long was Two Tribes? Yeah, it, it was a longer one. But, yeah, it's relaxed, Two Tribes. Uh, you know, you have uh, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, this 14-minute track inspired by uh, the poem Kubla Khan. It's freaking awesome. By the way, like, I, I picked this album up in the quarter bin, and I didn't realize there were supposed to be two albums. I only have, I've only ever listened to half of this album because the other one was lost, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> I, I got, I got, I was but, listening to this, and I go, "Hold the phone! There's more tracks. Is this bonus tracks? No, it was just the other half of the album." <laughs> yeah, there is. It, it. I will say this: it does kind of, you know, you have it. it Fade in and out at times because there's like a uh, like a little cover song called uh, "Fairy Cross." Uh, well, fairy, but it's a, a cover of a song called "Fairy Cross the Mersey," which is like I didn't look up the original song, but I guess it's an actual thing, and they basically just kind of turn it into a joke track almost. Uh, this also does feature a cover from uh, someone earlier on my list. Because they do a cover of uh, Springsteen's Born to Run. Right! I totally forgot about that. Uh, that, was, that was a really good single. Yeah, it's, it's also a very, yeah, it's very straightforward cover, too. Considering, you know, it's like, well, let's let's talk about Relax for a second, Yeah, actually. I mean, they're kind of a tongue-in-cheek band. They know what they're doing. They're having fun with it. So Born to Run is such a strange, out-of-left-field choice. Well, there's a lot of covers on this, but uh, Relax, the infamous song that got the band by the BBC. Uh, <laughs> That's, it, now, it, in the movie, um, oh, God damn it, it's a Brian DePaul, Body Double, where they, they actually shoot yeah. the video in the movie, and it's very filthy. <laughs> well, so, yeah, it's like, well, that's, uh, it, now, it doesn't help when your ad campaign for your uh, single has advertisements featuring one of your members dressed like an S&M sailor and featuring a tagline like, all the nice boys love semen. Oh, <laughs> and, and then of course you know your record sleeve has a lot of fetishy imagery. You know the band, of course, tried to say the lyrics were just being misheard, but it got uh, you know got banned. But you have like the great John Peel. Uh, he just played it anyway. Cause, you know, fuck him. <laughs> it's John Peel. He wanted, you know when you tell him no, and you know it basically they stopped. They pretty quickly gave up that it wasn't about sex. And uh, now the video, uh, there's a video where it's set in a gay S&M themed club with uh, <coughs> accompanying set dressing. Uh, let, let, take, take a while, guess M MTV and BBC wanted to play that. Oh, my God. This feels like something so, out of cruising yeah. with Pacino. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting video, I'll tell you that much. Uh <laughs> I think they shot a little more generic one than yeah. it got actual airplane. I didn't know but, what hit me with your laser beams meant until someone told me like 10 years ago. I was like, that's what that means? Holy shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I mean, shit. The, uh, go back to Two Tribes, which is, I think, actually, of all the songs on here, I think it's actually the most superior song. And it's, you know, commentary on the... Uh, the Cold War, you know, the Cold War. It's uh, all about Russia and the U.S. and our everything, and it's you know one of the most danciest tracks, but also one of the most 
you know, saddest, really. Yeah, the video. Oh, boy. They really hammer it home. And, and the funny thing is it hardly cost them a cent to make it because they used uh, already pre-existing news footage. Well, yeah. that's not true. There's a whole end sequence where someone's dressed as... Uh, who was before Gorbachev? Khrushchev? Khrushchev, yeah. Khrushchev is fighting Ronald Reagan in a mud wrestling contest with all these other people around <laughs> <laughs> But even so, yeah. you you can't say you you cannot prove that that didn't happen. No, I cannot prove that. <laughs> but your final one. Can I take a guess? See if I'm wrong. Take a guess. Is it Queen the Works? It is. Queen oh, the thank Works. goodness. Look at my list. Yeah, okay, before we get to the last one, um, what didn't make your list that you, that you had been hot about? Let's see, stuff that I was looking at and I was going to do, but then did not. Uh, do you have yours first? Because I've got Yeah, I have Run DMC. Their first album I really thought was, like, the first single is great, but then I listened to the rest of it. And uh, I, it's just the generic low rent backbeat that I can't stand a lot of early hip hop. Uh, NXS Swing um, almost gets it. Uh, Dio Last in Line. Um, and I think I mentioned the rest of them. Of course, Spinal Tap, but I just. I think everybody knows Spinal Tap fucking rules, so no need to say it. The Smiths <laughs> were on here, Kim Wilde, and that's that's my whole list. I see. I was looking at uh, Lords of the New Church, uh, their album Method to Our Madness, uh, Tones on Tail, uh, their album Pop, but I would also want to add the singles to that one because they uh, actually ended up just releasing the entire, basically all their stuff on like a single album a couple of like 10, 20 years, well, yeah, about 20 years back at this point. Uh, front 242's No Comment. Uh, Public Image Limited, uh, This Is What You Want. Okay, finally a band I've heard of. <laughs> uh, Iron Maiden's Power Slave. I was uh, debating seriously that almost made we, we've it. We've done this, don't we? Almost every single year we're like Iron Maiden, maybe Judas Priest, you know, but I, it's almost, it's so close. Oh, Iron Maiden will, their next album will be one of my picks. Okay. I, one hands down, sneak preview, I guarantee you that one. And I almost did uh, the first KMFDM album, Opium. But that would have been, I think that would have been a very difficult listen, so I kind of... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is the final... Wait, did I go first? Am I the last person, or are you the last person? You're the last one. Oh, wow. You're the last one? Um, here's the thing I didn't know about Queen, of course, until I watched the movie, is that Queen was falling apart before this album. If you listen to the previous album, it's pretty terrible. There's nothing really to dig about it. The band was crumbling, and uh, Brian May went off to go do this weird album called Space Force. It was an EP where he played with all his friends, and they all sang songs about this sci-fi team called Space Force. There's a video for it, kids, and it's weird. It uses all, like, um, old, uh, oh, 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 I'm trying to think of it, like, um, Ultraman. Like that Japanese style special effects, and it's very interesting and uh, a weird experiment. But thank God that Freddie Mercury got his shit together because the works is a hell of a comeback album. It is hands down my favorite thing that that you had me listen to this one. Yeah, their like, next album I think just... is my favorite, but this is definitely a hey, let's let's get this shit together and and, and save our band. Now, and funny, it's like, you know, it opens with Radio Gaga, which is a song I absolutely love, but I was actually not aware of its existence until, like, 2011 or 2012, 
it's like whenever the trailers for GTA 5 came out. Yeah. Because it was it was uh, one of the character like the theme song for one of the characters' trailers, and it just it fits so well with this uh, this LA imagery and stuff. And I'm just going, this is so perfect. What is this? This is a Queen song, huh? Okay, let me listen to that this album. Oh, I love this one. It's 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 got a silly hook though. The goo goo gaga thing is silly, but the 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 actual lyrics, the story they're telling is great. Oh yeah, and this uh, is the one and, they tore up at. Um, uh, damn it! What's the what's the big concert called again? World Aid. Um, for Farm Aid? No. No, not a Farm Aid. What's uh, it called? Band Aid? No, no. One of the aid concerts. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. I know, I know what you're... But I remember it was like one of those massive two-day concerts. One was in America. One was like, Live Aid. Live Aid. That's what Live it was. Aid. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, they got Tear It Up, uh, which is a fun rocker. I mean, they, they, they start grabbing some of the stuff that they listened to as a kid, too, on this one. Because they start throwing in some rockability, some 60s, uh, you know, pop rock. But Hammer to Fall is just a great pounder. Uh, I want to break free is one of my emotion yeah. songs. God, I want to break free That's, is me every day is, wanting to scream. I, I literally, I my entire note of it is this song is fire. <laughs> it's like I can't. There's not much I can say about it other than it's. This is so. Well, I also have is uh, is this the world we created? And it's just like that song is great. Yeah. I, I just. It's just like, really yeah. them getting back to what works, but not repeating their sound. They're they're expanding their sound, but they're going back to the lyrics, and that's the most important part of Queen. And um, uh, Freddie sounds like he's having fun. I can't even remember the previous album, but I remember listening to it, going, "This is a dud. No one seems to care." Hot space. Yeah, that's it. Uh, um, yeah, it's like people kind of burn out. Although I think what on Hot Space that's the one that has uh, oh god what is it uh, the one uh, I can think of the I can think of the video where it's basically it's under like, pressure uh, no oh. although yeah it's shoot it's, it's the other it's the other song from well the only one I remember I guess, from this is body thinking, language that's it that's what I'm thinking of is body language yeah it's just the album floats around but doesn't land and and I'm just, just thank goodness they come back and. Uh, I think what's fun about them is they were clearly fans of sci-fi and fantasy movies because you see that throughout their career that they, they did the Flash Gordon soundtrack, they're in Highlander, um, you know, they, they even throw in a song in Iron Maiden or not Iron Maiden, sorry, what the fuck, Iron Eagle. Um, that's not a sci-fi movie, but they love movies and the Star Force thing. Clearly, there was a connection there, but um, they use Radio Gaga. If I remember, I'm pretty sure it's this song um, when they re-released Metropolis. The 1920 Fritz Lang movie, um, they re-released it around this time, and they added rock songs to it, and they started playing it at midnight shows. So Queen clearly had a strong connection with movies. I mean, look at Wayne's World. That saved their career. Yeah, very much so, and brought, brought Bohemian Rhapsody back out of like total obscurity. Yeah, well, I remember reading an article in 1990 that Hollywood Pictures was opening up their own album division, and the first band they signed was Queen, and Entertainment Weekly questioned if that was a good idea because they paid a lot of money for the reprint rights to their albums. Um, I think they paid like $20 million for their entire catalog, and then their upcoming, what, what was to be their final album. 
And they're like, "Does this is this band relevant? Is it worth twenty million dollars?" And who knew that we're just around the corner from Bohemian Rhapsody being just massive again? Yeah, that's it, you never know. That that is the biggest thing. It's just you never know where some of these careers are ever going to take you. Yeah. But thank goodness they saved themselves. Uh, I think there's some really great albums coming up after this. They'll probably make the list. The Miracle is also fantastic. Dude, totally. Totally. I can't wait. Well, that's it for me. Is that it for you? That is it. I am out of albums to talk about. All right, everybody. Uh, Check us out on Facebook under... I forgot the fucking... I'm having a day, dude. I'm having a day. (laughs) <laughs> just forget that just happened. <laughs> hit rewind is the podcast for fuck's sake. I almost said rewind hit. <laughs> and I am Bizarro. Welcome to Opposite World. <laughs> Anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, I've got nothing. Just check us out on on our other shows on hit on the Hit Rewind Network. <laughs> I'm embarrassing. I swear. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs>